0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something that you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Palm And broadcast school has really paid off. Auntie. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV.
1: Aaron Dickens covers Texas Tech and has for a long time. Aaron, uh, first, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Anytime. Love chatting. I'm going to get to uh, Big 12 football. I didn't tell you this in the pre-show. I'm just going to get your fast thoughts. Otherwise, Ole Miss people will yell at me and say, why didn't you ask him about Chris Beard? So I'll I'll ask you uh, just kind of your thoughts on on, uh, Chris Beard at Ole Miss. I know you covered him at Texas Tech. He had a ton of success there at uh, Texas Tech, getting to the, I think, overtime of the national championship game uh, before losing to Virginia. Just had a phenomenal run there before he left for Texas. He's now at at Ole Miss. What can Ole Miss people expect from uh, Chris Beard?
2: Uh, winning. I mean, he, he's won everywhere he's been. I mean, from Angelo state to a semi pro team in South Carolina to Arkansas, little rock. Um, he would have won at UNLV if he had stayed there. He obviously won at tech. Um, you know, he won at Texas and, and positioned that team to, to win a conference championship last year. He'll, he'll win. Um, he's very driven. He is, uh, he's a force of nature. Um, And, you know, I think that if you're a fan, you love it because it results in wins. And that's what, if you're a fan, you're, you're here for. Um, I think it, it is a challenge for folks that work with him and, uh, for him at times, but I think that's probably not unique to Chris Beard in terms of successful coaches that, um, you know, don't mind upsetting the apple cart here and there.
1: right, let's talk some big 12 football. Um, Interesting season coming up. Obviously, Texas is last season in the league. Oklahoma's last season in the league. You've been covering this league for a long time. Kind of, what's your sense of how that's going to be handled by fans, by media, et cetera, with you know the with all of the last times?
2: Coming. I think that for, for the the remaining kind of legacy programs, programs that have been in this league since '96, and to a lesser extent, you know the teams like West Virginia and TCU that have you know, been here for about 10 years. You, you've had time to really kind of process the departures, right? I mean, because that was announced in 2021. The the shock, people have kind of gotten over it. Uh, they've processed it. They've internalized it. I think they've kind of, you know, for the most part, they're at peace with it. Um, certainly those last games with those teams are going to be emotional, especially if they're home games for the legacy programs like Bedlam this year in Stillwater. I can't even imagine the juice in that stadium, especially if if the pokes are good um, or halfway decent. And you saw that with Tech last year in Lubbock, right? They hosted Texas. I think everyone was very kind of clear-eyed about uh, this is probably the last time that you'll you know, play Texas in Lubbock for the foreseeable future. I mean, decades, my lifetime. Um, and so I think that that's all kind of out of the way. And for the most part, it, it seems like uh, the, the focus this year is on how kind of fun it might be with four new members. I, I went and looked of the, of the five power conferences right now. It's the first time that any of them have added four teams in one swoop. And so, you know, you've gone from a 10 team league that played everybody every year, full round Robin to an un- unbalanced schedule. You're going to new stadiums new coaches, new fan bases, new time zones. And uh, I, I think that makes you a really kind of unpredictable and interesting season. And I think for, for big 12 fans, um, it's pretty exciting.
1: Where do you see, I, I'm kind of a fan of your Mark. Um, you know, he, he, he could sit there and, and, and kind of protest and fight and, and all that stuff. And I think he looked at it and, and looked at Texas and Oklahoma and said, okay, they're leaving. It's kind of a distraction. Let's, Let's usher them out. Let's let's figure out a way out of here. Let's squeeze a little money out of them, but let's move them on. Let's get a new TV deal. Let's expand the league. Let's look into further expansion. Let's 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 be forward looking rather than backward looking, which is absolutely the way to be. And he's done that. And I think he's positioned the big 12 to be a really interesting number three, if you will, uh, moving forward, what do you sort of expect? 2024 and beyond the Big 12 to look like?
2: I think the thing with your mark, um, and, and really just the Big 12 in general, the North Star should be, right, if if there is going to be some sort of schism 10 years from now, 15 years from now, whatever that timeline is like, that involves some kind of breakaway. You want the Big 12 to be positioned uh, to be included. I don't, again, I don't think anybody has any illusions about, oh, you know, look out SEC, right? Look out Big Ten, Th- sure. those those mega checks. I mean, that's coming the Big 12's way in four years. I mean, everyone recognizes kind of where they are, um, but if you can be relevant enough um, to be included, I think that's the goal, right? And so if you can position the Big 12 to be a, uh, a bastion of stability, right, which imagine saying that. 10 years ago, um, you know, in a, in a uh, competitive balanced, uh, equal playing field place. I think that's attractive for teams maybe out West, um, that aren't satisfied with being on Apple TV plus 80% of the time, or if the ACC kind of falls apart in five years and the, the Virginias and the North Carolinas and the Florida States go big 10 SEC, you're positioned to kind of pick up some of the Louisville's, the pits, those types of programs. Um, and I, I think, the, that's why you're seeing so much focus on basketball too, because yeah. if, if for some reason, Colorado and Arizona say, Hey, we've, we've been here for so long, or at least in Arizona's case, you know, the, the ties of the PAC 12 are so strong. We don't want to leave. Um, you know, you can pick up a Gonzaga or a Yukon and you, you know, that's not going to change your football strength at all. Right. Uh, your, your football brand value. But if there is a schism down the road, I'm guessing those Big Ten and SEC programs will want to play an NCAA tournament or something like it, and you're a lot more attractive to be kind of lumped in if you've got brands like Kansas and Houston and Baylor and Gonzaga and UConn um, to to kind of join that group. You know,
1: it's it's kind of picking nits a little bit on what you said. I I I'd politely disagree with a part of it. I actually don't think the ACC and the and the Pac-12 have. Um, been as aware self-aware as the big 12 has been you know the ACC seems to be almost in a sense of denial about where things are going and then the Pac-12s out there just who knows what they, they, it's almost like a survival and the no we're we're going to stick together and well I mean you're how, are you sure you're going to be able to financially compete at all the answer is no the ACC is, well, you know, we've got this grant of rights and it's like, yeah, it's finite, man. I mean, that it, it does come to an end, e- even if right now it's 10 years away, it's still 10 years away. And there's no indication that all those schools are like, yeah, we're, we're, we see this going 20, 25 years. The big 12 has been the one that said, I thought it was a sign of, of understanding it when they could have said, no, no, we're going to hold Oklahoma and Texas's feet to the fire. You're staying in this league through the 2024 season, like it or not. And cause you know those are good. Those are solid, sure. big time programs, big huge TV draws, all that stuff. Hey, didn't do that. He said, "Nope, no, we're going to move forward. We're going to position ourselves to do exactly what you just said. Where if there's ever a schism where the, these power leagues break away from the NCAA, we're going to be in position to be maybe not at the front of the
2: car, probably not. You just the want front to be front. at the table. You just want to be in the car. You and, just want to be at the big boy table. You're not at the head of the table. You're not yeah. carving the turkey." But you're you're getting served before the kiddos.
1: Yeah, and and the Big Twelve is of those three leagues. It is the only one that right now I'm confident in saying yes, they would be at the table.
2: And I think I think that comes with that awareness comes with having lived through the better part of a decade where and this was fair. I'm not saying that this was not fair, but the Big Twelve was a butt of every joke, right? It was in, it was it wasn't stable. There was infighting. Um, you know didn't know their ass from a hole in the ground and and they were a joke and that you know Dan Beebe and and Nebraska leaving and AM leaving and Colorado leaving and you know they were on the defensive for for 10 years and I think that um, gave them a pretty clear-eyed view of hey listen if, if we don't if we're not proactive here right if we don't if we don't look out for ourselves and look out 10, 15 years from now, um, you, you know, we might get left behind. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, finally it seems like they have the right mindset after, I don't know, 15 years if not.
1: You see Texas and Oklahoma every year. What are your thoughts about their SEC readiness as they get ready to jump into a, a new league?
2: I question, uh, I, I think the biggest question mark of all is they'll, they'll recruit well. I mean, they, they always have. Um, financially, they have resources. You know, they can compete, especially Texas, with anyone in the SEC in terms of, of resources. I question the mentality, the institutional alignment, and the stomach for doing the things that need to be done the way that they need to be done in order to compete in the SEC. Now, I, I've never covered an SEC program, so this is mostly just kind of based on what I've read and heard from people like you in terms of what it takes. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's there right now in Austin and in Norman. Like, I don't, I don't know if Texas is going to dump the, you know, the, the let's go to baseball, right. Cause that just wrapped up. Are they going to dump all kinds of NIL resources into a pretty proud and storied baseball program right away? Otherwise, I mean, look at what Arkansas is doing. They've picked off, it looks like, two Tech players um, in the last week or so. That's hardly un- a unique story. Um, or are they going to rely on, hey, listen, we're Texas. You know, we don't need to do that. That's not work in the Big 12. It, yeah, won't-
1: it, it, it won't work in the SEC. Um, I mean, it, it just won't. I, you know, we're talking about just baseball here for a minute. I mean, the number of programs in the SEC that are very serious from an NIL standpoint, in baseball. Baseball. Not football, not not basketball. Baseball. It's it's obviously LSU and Florida and Tennessee and 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 as you mentioned Arkansas and uh Ole Miss is over here knowing it has to be. Ole Miss just won a national championship. Mississippi there State just go. won yeah. a national. Mississippi State just won a national championship 2 years ago. Um th- these are these are programs that are looking at themselves in the mirror going, okay, we got to get more, even more serious than we thought we were. And we thought we were really serious. And so I, I think that's where you're right for Oklahoma, for Texas. It, it's, it's not a knock on the big 12. It's just, there's a different intensity to the whole process of it. Sometimes in in football, especially the the, the part that I think is going to be shocking a little bit is it's, you look on the schedule, for example, and you see at Mississippi State and you go, It's a W. We can breathe. It's like, no, they're gonna they're gonna be so jacked up for you that you're gonna walk in there and if you're not ready to play, they're gonna kill you. I mean, you know, I, I used the example of uh Texas at Arkansas a couple of seasons ago. It was a September game in Fayetteville, and Texas had won their opener, and I think they were kind of coming in there feeling pretty good about themselves and you know Punch the mouth. And Arkansas was just rabid about it. They couldn't wait for Texas to get there. To them, it was like this rivalry game, and we're going to show them. And they did. They just blew them out. The place was nuts, and you could see some of the reaction on the Texas sideline. Like we weren't. This wasn't what we expected. And that's kind of the league. Week after week, you go to South Carolina, and you think this is going to be okay, and then they're nutty. And
2: I think people get uh, get salty sometimes uh, when when they hear people say that they care more in the SEC. Right. And I think they misunderstand that phrase. And I think that they put emphasis on the wrong word, right? If you're a diehard Texas tech fan, you care just as much as a diehard Ole Miss fan. Absolutely. But it's the word is they, right? They care. The they is bigger in the sec. And I'm not talking about just raw fan base numbers. It's the school president. It's the board of regents. It's the the academic people. It's the 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 city officials. It's the uh, the donor base that they is larger because they all care and are pissed off for greatness. Right. And that's listen. I mean, the the Big 12 has that. I mean, the, the Big 12 has alignment and all that stuff. Not at the SEC's level, but they do. The Pac 12 doesn't, and I think that's why they're in the issue that they're in right now. Yeah, but if people get too focused on the care and not much about the they, it's the they that puts the SEC apart from everyone else.
1: Yeah, we saw that in the the bowl game. I mean, Texas Tech was excited to be there, they took tons of people. Um, Ole Miss did not take a lot of people, Ole Miss was not particularly excited to be there, and Texas Tech whipped them. I mean, it was that was not a close football game, um, at all. And it's it's that. I do kind of. I agree with you about Texas. By the way, I think. I think there's maybe arrogance is the wrong word.
2: There's, no, it's the right
1: word. Okay, it's, it's the right word. There's an arrogance about them that's like, hey, we're Texas, we're gonna roll, and it is a cool uniform. It's a badass helmet. I love it. It's one of my favorite ones in, in college football. But they, hey, we're gonna roll this helmet out. You see what it is. We're gonna handle you, and it's like I don't think it's going to work like that for you week after week when you play Kentucky and South Carolina and not to mention the LSUs and the Alabamas of the world. It, it's I think you're in for an awakening on the over and over and over part of it.
2: I mean, cause listen, we, we cover recruiting, right? We we know how much stars matter on average, like historically. And for Texas and Oklahoma, uh, by and large every year, you can just go back and look at them. um, you know they've had on paper far more talent than really any other team that they've played aside from each other in the Big 12, right? There have been years where you've had a three star develop into you know a, a giga Chad, Pat Mahomes or Deuce Vaughn or whatever. Uh, but on average, they have been able to roll that helmet out and win these games that's not going to work in the sec i mean the the sec dominates these recruited rankings they dominate it for a reason uh it's not some illusion it's not some kind of uh you know rivals agenda or 24 7 agenda to you know gin up a bunch of inflated talent the southeast. they're really good players and i think the uh it'll be interesting to kind of see how quickly they adapt to it or not
1: let's talk about the the season coming up um pretty much across the board, the prognosticators are picking Texas and Oklahoma at the top of the league this year. Do you, do you you think that's a by default kind of thing? Or do you think those are
2: old habits die hard? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Texas is a very defensible pick to win the league. They received 41 of the 60 some odd votes for first place. Uh, K state was second. They return a lot. I think if you look at Bill Connolly's production, uh, returning rankings they were second in the big 12 behind only kansas um you know again on paper they have just as much talent if not more than any team in the league they return a quarterback and quinn ewers that a lot of people like um and yeah they've got a, a fairly fairly manageable schedule in conference play it's a, it's a defensible pick for sure oklahoma i think is puzzling to me yeah um i don't quite get that um it's not that they're bad they do have talent um, but that defense Neil was was terrible last year and I I follow Texas Tech, right I know what bad defense looks like. I've, I've seen it for 15, 20 years uh, and that was it was terrible and uh, I think that there's this assumption being made that oh it's Brent Venables it's Oklahoma he'll he'll fix that defense. And I just don't know that that's um, something that I would bet on right now. I mean Dylan Gabriel is good. He's a good Big 12 quarterback. Uh, they lose their leading receiver by a mile last year, Marvin Mins. They lose their second leading receiver, their starting tight end. They're leading rusher. Uh, they lose three starters in the O-line. So I don't even think that you can bank on the offense carrying them um, early on, even though I like Jeff Levy, just because they lost so much. So, yeah, that that one was more puzzling to me than Texas.
1: Are we sleeping on TCU because TCU lost the way that it lost on the last Monday night? I mean, they still got to Monday night. There was a list of 120-something schools that didn't get to Monday night. The school you cover didn't get to Monday night. The school I cover didn't get to Monday night. TCU got there. Yeah, they got whipped, but they got to Monday night and people are picking them fourth, fifth in the Big 12. And I look at that and think, do you are, you, are we are you just kind of sleeping on them or do you know something?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's fair. Um, you know, they they lose quentin johnston who was kind of an eraser for them last year if if things are going south of its third and 17 if if you need a play you can throw it to quentin johnston and he he can erase a mistake for you you'll you lose max duggan and people forget i mean he wasn't the starter to begin the year last year right it was um uh, chad morris's kid and so he's gone uh they lose some other key pieces now sonny dyke's has met as a transfer portal at a, at a very good clip. Uh, They've added a lot of key pieces, but I think that there's kind of a prove it quality uh, with, with them. Hey, okay. We we saw what you could do with Gary Patterson's players. Can you do it now with people that you've brought in?
1: Um, You mentioned K-State. Deuce Vaughn's gone. Great story. Going to the Cowboys. Um, His father who used to coach here at Ole Miss is a scout with the Cowboys. We got to see that call. It was one of the, Maybe it was probably the coolest moment of the draft. Um, but Chris Coleman still has a lot of talent on that team. He's done a really good job. You talk about, we talk about culture a lot, you know, whether a program has culture or doesn't have culture. You watch them play and they, they appear to have real program culture. Like they, they are blue collar. They're going to get after you physically. That's kind of who they are. Um, what do you what do you expect for them?
2: They were my pick to win the Big 12. I was one of the 14 to vote for them the top of the Big 12. Uh, I'd I like Will Howard a lot. Didn't start every game last year, uh, but was very, very good. Um, really fits what they like to do on offense. They bring in a Florida State transfer to replace Duvon, or at least you know start at running back. Um, and again, you know, I, I think culture matters a lot, and I think culture is why. Texas Tech was able to win a a handful of one score games last year. It's why they weren't able to win those games a few years ago under Matt Wells. Um, And, you know, for me, Ty goes to culture all the time. And I I don't know that there are many coaches in this league and maybe even across the country that fit uh, their program, their institution better than what Kleiman does at K State because he fits that like a glove.
1: Tell about culture and Look, I didn't pay a lot of attention to Texas Tech over the course of the season, and then I started l- looking into them during the bowl game, and I was super impressed with Joey Maguire. the the week of the bowl game, the at the game, the way that he carried himself, the way that he talked, the way that his kids played. There were, I don't know how many tens of thousands of Texas Tech fans there, and that was a what was that a six and six, seven and five team going into yep, that game. Seven and five. Yeah. Seven and five team going into that game. Most seven and five fan bases aren't geeked up. There's like, whatever was the bowl game we'll show, or we won't show. They showed in droves and they were excited. That told me that, Hey, from a program standpoint, you've got some momentum, you've got some culture, some things are, are going your way. Uh, what do you expect this season from the red Raiders?
2: This is probably the most anticipated season around here since maybe 08. Right. When they went 11 and two beat Texas, the Cradford game, all that. Um, you know, last year, they, they beat Texas-Oklahoma first time ever, same season. Um, you know, they, they win a handful of, of close one-score games. And I I think, yeah, he's connected with his fan base in a way that no one has really since Mike Leach. Um, you know, there, the, the 2010s were just pretty forgettable if you're a Tech fan. Um, you're coming off of a decade where you're the third-winning program in the Big 12, behind Oklahoma and Texas when they had it rolling, to just you know, missing bowl games, four and eight seasons, firing coaches, Cliff Kingsbury couldn't get it figured out. I mean, hell, Neil, they went like 13 and 17 with Pat Mahomes, a quarterback. Wow. And it's like, and so you bring in a guy like McGuire, who just has this endless uh, source of energy, right. Is always going Fr- from day one. He He flips the narrative about recruiting to this football program. They're recruiting at a top 25 clip. Uh, they're the heavy favorite for the sixth-ranked prospect in the country, which w- was is unheard of for Texas Tech. Um, p- people would take bullets for McGuire here in Levin. I mean, not literally, but that's kind of how it is. And he's yeah. made, managed to kind of ingrain himself with his fan base um, so quickly in, in a way that I haven't seen before. Even Beard. Like, even, even this time in Beard's tenure, they were coming off of a pretty mid – um, you, you know, unimpressive, kind of 500 season. They kind of, they could have gone to the NIT. They just chose not to. Um, but yeah, people would die from the wire here. It's it's pretty interesting. Now we'll see. I mean, it just takes a, a loss to Wyoming and Laramie in week one for for things to change. Uh, but but right now there really haven't been many missteps, many mistakes.
1: I liked the quarterback last year in the bowl game. He was he was solid did some, did some good things. He's back. I mean,
2: they, they. Yeah. Tyler Shuck. I mean, he's an Oregon transfer. I don't know that he ever thought when he left Oregon that he would be playing them here in 2023, but COVID and all that stuff has a funny way of of making things work out. Um, his biggest question mark really is just kind of availability. Uh, you know, missed some games last year, missed some games the year before. Uh, if he can stay healthy, I think they feel pretty good about things. They've got a capable backup in Baron Morton, but he's a, uh, you know, second or third year player and hasn't had a ton of experience, but uh, yeah, they like Shuck a lot.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Two years ago, Ole Miss lost to Baylor in the in the Sugar Bowl, and Baylor was so impressive that whole week. Everything about them was really professional, locked down. I thought Dave Aranda's got this thing going. Baylor's going to be a force, and then they kind of fall off. And now I see people picking them sixth, seventh in the Big Twelve. What's happened uh, with Baylor in just twenty four months?
2: Great question. Um, they, They they've lost a lot in terms of personnel. Right in terms of coaching staff, Joe McGuire is one of them. James Blanchard, the kind of the GM of the football program up here, is another one of them. Um, haven't really had the quarterback position figured out. Blake Shapen, I think, took a step back last year after a pretty impressive start in 2021 in the Sugar Bowl in the Big 12 championship game. Um, they bring in some people to kind of push him a little bit in the offseason, including Sawyer Robertson from up the road for me, or down the road, kind of down the road, at down the road, Mississippi State. Um, and so we'll see if, if, if can kind of return to form or if, if Robertson kind of pushes and emerges, then I think they have a chance to be pretty good. Um, you know, they're not going to out talent, anybody, uh, very few big 12 teams will be able to do that outside of Texas and Oklahoma, which I think makes the future of this league interesting and unpredictable because there's not some seismic talent or resource advantage. Um, but you know, they're one of a handful of teams that could finish four and eight or nine and three. And it it really wouldn't shock me in, in the league this year.
1: You mentioned Bedlam could be pretty wild if, if the pokes are good, it's a decent chance they're not good, which is odd to me because if you think about big 12 football over the last decade, Oklahoma state's been a constant presence near the top of the standings, at least from the outside looking in, I mean, they've just always been there. Mike Gundy built this program that you had to take seriously. They were gonna, be, they were gonna be competitive. They were gonna beat people. They were gonna be fun. They were gonna score a lot of points and all that stuff. And then he loses so many people in the portal. Like I, I still haven't completely wrapped my head around why Spencer Sanders, a left Oklahoma State, and B came to Ole Miss but I'm more intrigued by A than I am B honestly I kind of get B well you come play for Lane Kiffin and maybe you're going to compete whatever but you had it made at Oklahoma state and he left and the relationship apparently was unsalvageable and we see Mike Gundy come across as this abrasive divisive guy over the last few years I see people picking them as low as 8th in the in the Big 12 um are we, are we wrong on that? Or, or is, is this the, the the beginning of the end for Oklahoma state?
2: Possibly. Right. I mean, and, and you're not like Mike Gundy is, is probably uh, in the Mount Rushmore conversation to use kind of a tired sports talk radio trope (laughs) uh, the Mount Rushmore conversation with the big 12, right? I mean, you've got Mike Leach, Mac Brown, Bob Stoops, Bill Snyder, uh, but I mean, Gundy, over the last 17 years, there are two programs that have never had a losing record in the FBS Alabama, Oklahoma State. Oh, wow. Right. To kind of, and, and has won a Big 12 championship, has had multiple 10, 11, 12 win seasons at Oklahoma State. Like before he arrived, they were a below 500 uh, program historically. and And he's elevated them to, probably the the face of the new Big 12, right? Kind of by default, maybe, at least in football. But I think with Gundy, the question that I ask myself is, inarguably a great coach pre-NIL, pre-transfer portal. But those two things have changed the game considerably. Oh, and man. Wh- whereas perhaps before you weren't a good coach, if you're good in those two areas, suddenly you're a great coach, right? And if, if you were a great coach before, if you're not good in those two areas maybe now you're a bad coach and i i don't know i don't know if gundy is um equipped or interested maybe is the better term to um to evolve his style to fit this new reality i mean you and i were talking during texas X coaching search about andy kennedy he had been linked to that tech job um, by the athletic by all sorts of uh you know early initial reports there were some conversations between the search firm, uh, based on our reporting, uh, and uh, and Kennedy's folks, and so I'm pinging you. Hey, wh- what what do you know about Andy Kennedy? What could TechFence expect if he's hired, etc.? And uh, you were talking about, hey, great in the portal, right? Great nil, and and suddenly that changes everything. And so an Andy Kennedy that was, you know, didn't set the world on fire at Ole Miss ten years ago. If you put him in a power five job now with NIL support with the portal, suddenly he takes off. And I think, I think Gundy might be the opposite of that.
1: Oh, that's a great analogy. Yeah. You're, you're right about Andy. He, he would do, he would have, I, mean, I thought they made a great hire in, in uh McCollum, but um, McCaslin, but he would have done really, really well at Texas right. tech and or you know, West Virginia. Yeah. West Virginia let their ego get in the way of this deal. That's my opinion. I mean, I. I think they decided just to punt on a basketball season, and hey, we'll figure it out in a year. Maybe this will settle. We're not going to hire another Huggins guy. I'm not sure that. I'm not sure that Andy Kennedy being completely compared to Bob Huggins is particularly fair, and more importantly, sure. accurate. And that was a right. that, was, that was a missed opportunity for them. Um. You know, in the past few years, like Ole Miss has had coaching searches in football and I've always listed Matt Campbell on the list because I would look at what he did at Iowa state. I'm curious here. I don't know if this is a Campbell thing or if it's a program thing, but now that NIL and portal and stuff is Iowa state back to just being a bad job.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, they care to kind of go back to that conversation earlier. I mean, even during their down years under Paul Rhodes and, you know, Go on; they were filling that place up, and it's not like Ames, Iowa, is just especially balmy in October and November. I mean, yeah. Tech went up there in November, and it was, I think, minus five wind chill It was bonkers. Uh, glad I didn't go. um So, in 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 that respect, it's not a bad job. But in terms of of outlook for winning, yeah, I don't I don't know, right? I mean, they I think they were fairly slow to pick up on nil. Um. I don't know how open Campbell is to the transfer portal. I think he's kind of one of those big culture guys. And much like Gundy uh, is kind of loathe to invest a lot in a player that will just be there for one year or two years. We'll see. I, I, he had to fire his uh, you know, longtime offensive coordinator last year. I think that was interesting. Hadn't really had to do that very much there. In Ames, Um, but the fans pack it in. They care, and they've shown that they'll be pretty competitive salary-wise with a known quantity. So it's not not a terrible job, but certainly might be tougher to win there than most places.
1: I kind of skipped over Kansas by accident. Jalen Daniels is back, seventeen starters back from a team that was pretty good a year ago, especially when he was healthy. Any chance at all they're kind of a dark horse team in the in the league?
2: Awesome, yeah, for sure. I mean, the great thing about the Big Twelve is. Outside of like Houston, Cincinnati, maybe BYU, and then certainly West Virginia. You, you can make a case for any of these teams, like I said, going four and eight or nine and three. And, um, you know, Kansas, their defense was bad last year. It wasn't very good. Jalen Daniels was electric early on. I, I'd like to see him kind of continue that. Can you, can you keep that up over eight games, over nine games? Uh, but they're recruiting at a, a pretty impressive clip for Kansas. And I think Lance Leipold is one of the best hires that that anybody in the Big 12 has made in recent years to kind of go back to what you said. They didn't let ego get in the way of it. Right. This oh, former D2 coach. We're, I mean, I know we're Kansas. We're better than that. No, get a damn good coach and figure the rest out. And that's what they did. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. I don't know that I would call them a, a kind of a dark horse contender unless I see that defense improve. But I mean, hell, they put four players on the All Big Twelve team. I mean, they had more All Big Twelve players in Oklahoma. So you
1: mentioned some of these new teams: BYU and UCF and um, Cincinnati. Who am I missing? Um, Houston. 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 Yeah. Um, which of those have a chance to kind of create the most fireworks in
2: year one? I think UCF. Yeah, I think I think it's a it's kind of a perfect storm. Uh, John Rice Plumley is a is a Big Twelve caliber quarterback. Um, they have uh, an impressive fan base. It's, I think, one of the largest and youngest alumni bases in the country. Very, very online. Um, and uh, they've got Gus Malzahn, right? He, he knows what it takes to win at a Power 5 level. Um, he's upgraded that recruiting operation. They're recruiting at a really, really high clip. Um, you, you know they're going to have team speed. And I think they're probably just better positioned to compete right away than a Cincinnati coming off of a coaching change, having some talent drained from their playoff run a couple of years ago. I'm not all that impressed with what Dana Holgerton's done at Houston the last couple of years. I kind of question their talent acquisition approach. Um, And then BYU, I just don't trust Keon Slovis. so. I mean, when when you're when the, the best case scenario for your team's outlook is if our transfer quarterback can be as good as he was at his first stop instead of his second stop, we'll be great. Yeah, that's no, that's not gonna work.
1: So you're picking the Big Twelve is is K-State, Texas in the title game?
2: Uh I had uh K-State, Texas, Tech Texas, Oklahoma.
1: Okay. Oh, wow. That'd be interesting. I, I'll tell you this. If if Texas is third in the Big Twelve they 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 gotta wake up because that they're gonna they're gonna have they're in for a shot. because they I,
2: I just don't trust Quinn Ewers, bottom line. I mean, I think in the Big Twelve, if if and this is probably true for most leagues, if if you don't have a quarterback, it doesn't matter. Right. And he's supremely talented. Um, but he, he was unplayable in Stillwater. He was not good in their bowl game in, in the second half of that deal. Um he missed some games, two up and down, and I, I think that'll just come back to bite him.
1: Curious. Last couple things. things. Um, this is kind of inside baseball stuff, but I'm curious. I've always l- watched your site. How are you guys covering a college football season differently today than you were 2018, 2019?
2: Well, I think, I think now it's more about engaging with the community, right? I mean, if you're, if you're a, Texas Tech fan 2023 or an Ole Miss fan in 2023 you're watching the game right at, at the very worst you're watching it on your phone at the very very worst if you're in Antarctica or something you're listening to it online on some kind of stream you don't need someone to tell you what happened like yeah. you know like a typical kind of AT recap you already know what happened you want to know uh, why it happened how it happened um, why it won't happen again if it's bad and why you, it will happen again if it's good. And you want someone to kind of rap about it with you. And so I think the, the key there is just engagement with the community. Give them a reason to come back to your to your site. Um, give them a reason to stay on your site during the game, chat about it, curse about it, cry about it, laugh about it. Uh, and I think that's kind of been, um, you know, the North Star for uh, a couple of years.
1: We talk a lot about NIL and, and transfer portal. And there are people that I talk to around the sec and in some other leagues as well. Sunbelt, some other leagues that say, Hey, this current model is not sustainable. I'm, you've been doing this a long time, just like I have, when you look at what's happening now with the portal and in, in all sports, the sports that at least the ones that we cover, um, is it sustainable? Is there a fix? Is this, is this a, a dangerous path we're on or is this just a new reality that it, this is a new normal and people better get used to it?
2: I mean, I think it's sustainable in that people will still watch, right? I don't, I don't know that if you're a Texas tech fan or an all Miss fan, you really, I don't think really, if you ask, if you're like legitimately honest with yourself, I don't think any of your enjoyment comes from the fact of, Oh, that star quarterback you know, it is taught by the same teacher that I took intro to calculus from, you know, like I don't, yeah. you don't need that kind of shared experience to watch a fun quality football game with really, really good athletes. Um, you've been doing this a long, long time. You did the sports talk radio show. I do a sports talk radio show podcast. It was the last time anybody asked you about class. <laughs> like, like Hey, what's their GPA? No one cares. No. Right, and so in in that sense, if 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 this kind of unregulated wild west um, player movement nil if that continues, I think people will still watch. Um, I guess my my concern as a college football fan is if some sort of um, court ruling or or whatever emerges and says, okay, these are employees, you've got to share revenue with them. I don't have a moral objection to that, right? I I think it's great if you want to share money with players. I think they've earned it. I'm pro NIL, all that stuff. Um, but for a system that is so, I don't know, kind of precariously placed and so ingrained into higher education, I don't I don't know how those numbers will all work, right? Maybe they'll work at the the top half of the Power Five, the the top seventy five percent of the Power Five. I don't know how they work for um, a Tulsa, right. Or, they don't. A, or USF, or even like a, such an esteemed, uh, place of higher education, like ULM, like yeah. even I don't think they could figure it out as much as smart as they are. So, uh, that would be my only kind of question, but I'm not like, I'm not losing any sleep over it. I mean, it, there's a lot of money here. They'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt that the, the, the part that people, if they ever become employees and they do the revenue sharing, they're going to have some people are going to have to let their egos go a little bit. And, and the other thing is some people are going to have to get more practical. You, you, you won't, if you're having to share the revenue across the board in your athletics department, all the way to the diving team and the gymnastics team and the rifle team, it's, it's going to be a lot less money than you think it is. And you're going to have to either live with that, or you're going to have to waive some title nine stuff. And you're going to have to admit that, different sports mean different things to institutions and
2: well, you won't you won't build these palatial new facilities every 15 20 years right with five right. fountains and a barber shop and a slide I mean like you look at some of these professional franchises and where they practice there's I mean it's kind of janky but yeah. the players are paid so they don't care and it's kind of opposite here in college football and, and maybe that changes I don't know but I, I again they'll they'll figure it out. But like you said, there will be some haircuts.
1: Aaron, as always, thanks so much for the time. If I can ever uh, do anything for you, please holler at me. Let me know.
2: Anytime, Neil. Appreciate it.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.